great song. He's not got the heat song yet. The hands up, who's not put that in tonight? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. You, you, you brave hearts. Tough ones. Not going to dig in and tell this week after October. There's no way this is going on in our lives. So, so that's going to be great. Going to really uh, enjoy getting um, our teeth stuck into that for a few weeks. So, so that's all, that's all coming. Uh, today, though, I want to talk to you about. Um, I want to teach on awareness, um, or the lack of it. Uh, awareness, or our lack of it. Living with high levels, this has become my personal conviction, living with high levels of personal awareness and awareness of others can make great leaders of us and other people as well. I started to learn about the value of self-awareness after I think I went through a real season of, of deep introspection, of really looking into my own heart. Um, it is a great gift to be able to read yourself. Um, because if you can read yourself, you can inform yourself. And if you can inform yourself, you can educate yourself. And if you can educate yourself, you can become a better all-round person. So awareness and self-awareness, I think, is really important of asking myself these sorts of questions. What I believed and why I believed it. Of looking at why I behaved 
in the way that I did, of reflecting more, of asking questions like, what is my unique contribution in this setting and why? And if I don't have one, then why am I in that setting? Uh, for some years, I served as one of the trustees at the Malt Cross um, in town on behalf of the Christian Centre at the time with some work that I was doing through the Open Hands organisation. And I did that on behalf of the elders for several years. And I sat on the trustee panel. Um, when Charlotte started primary school, um, I took up the role of, of being a governor um, with the school, a parent governor, and sort of sat around that table. In both of those settings, I was like a fish out of water. Like a fish out of water. I was stumbling around over my words, trying to find a decent contribution to make, thinking, why am I here when I could be doing this and that and the other? And I find it just so hard. And it wasn't until I started to read myself better that I understood why, and it's this. It's because I'm a control freak. And unless I'm leading from the front, I'm hopeless at making a helpful contribution into the whole because I'm thinking, oh, they're a better place than me. They're, oh, that, that's, that's a good thing that they've said. You know the horrible thing about being in a setting where you're there to make a contribution as well is when somebody's made a better contribution than you think you can give? There's nothing like that than stifling your own conversations. You just think, oh, gosh, I can't say anything as good as they've said. Now I'm not going to say anything at all. And so I was like a complete fish out of water. And I think what awareness does, it, it allows us to see where our strengths are and where they're not. And that's a good thing. That's a good thing. Because when you know where your strengths are, then you can build on that and you can move forward. I went through a time of understanding better my feelings and my emotions. I remember going through a time in my life where I was fearful of what may happen in the future. And I could really feel the fear getting a better grip of me. And I read a book by a guy called John Eldridge called Waking the Dead. And it like switched on a light in my mind. And so I got to the place, having read myself better and understanding my feelings, of when fear came to me, of welcoming it and saying, come on then, come on then, let the fear come. Because what is the worst that you can do to me? What is the worst that you can do to me? And instead of allowing the fear to dominate me, I allowed the fear to come to me to recognize what it was, allow it to do its worst, and then say, but you won't have control over my life. I will have domination over you. You won't have domination over me. But it was a process of growing in self-awareness. Sometimes it's good to know, good you know, when you're feeling sad, to sit down and ask yourself the question, where is this sadness coming from? What is its source? And is its source justified? And if it's justified, what am I going to do with it? Self-awareness is a great thing. Also of being and growing in an awareness of God's presence. 
God's presence doesn't always come in the expected places. Philip Yancey wrote a great book called Finding God in Unexpected Places. And what he does through that book is he traces where he has discovered the presence of God in contexts and settings where we would tend to think it most unlikely. We've come to church this morning. It's great to see you. Thanks for coming along. We're having a good time together. We've brought our hearts in worship to God. And in the context of that environment, we created an atmosphere whereby people can just take a touch point, a moment, to say, yeah, this is where I need an area of breakthrough. And in this moment of worship, where I believe the presence of God is here, I'm going to join my agreement with my brothers and sisters and say no more to that. That's a great thing to do. How many more places in the world could you go and do something like that? You can't do that, you know, down at Forest. Hey, you know, you're not going to get cheered up going down to Forest, are you, in my life? I mean, <laughs> what, what other settings can you do that in, you know? You can't do that down at the Winning Post because they've knocked it down now. You know, you, you, you can't do that in, in, in any of these settings. But church is great because we're creating environments where we welcome the presence of God. And having welcomed the presence of God, we say, now let's create a divine moment where you can encounter the life of Christ in a particular way and let's have a moment of agreement. There's power in agreement, you know. No power in disunity. You know when you've got children, sometimes they try and split the mum and dad up on an issue of opinion. Daddy, Daddy, can I have some chocolate? No, you can't. I want some chocolate. Can I have a chocolate? But Daddy, I've not had any chocolate for six months. You're not having any chocolate now. You go to Mummy. Mummy, can I have some chocolate? What's Daddy said? Daddy said, come and ask you. No, you can't then if you said no. If there's unity there, not that it's six months since the kids had chocolate, by the way. If, if there's unity there, there's power there because there's agreement. If we're in disagreement, there is no power. And that's what Ministry Light was all about this morning. It's about finding a place of agreement and going forward from that premise and from that basis. It's about being aware of God's presence. But God's presence isn't simply in a setting like this. We need to recognize where God's presence is also. Also in that process of developing self-awareness, of, of recognizing what is my role in offering steerage and seeing what is another person's responsibility. And also things in dealing with other people, of recognizing I'm not responsible for your anger. That's your issue, not mine. If you're angry in a situation, that's your issue. You've got to deal with that. But I'm not going to allow your anger to intimidate my peace because there is no deal there. Don't get me wrong, I've had to go on a long journey to recognize that. Because it is easy to be intimidated, isn't it, by situations, settings, and all those sorts of things. But the more self-aware you become, the more you realize that's your responsibility, this is my responsibility. I will counsel, coach, help, and support but I'm not going to take your issue as my issue. I'm too self-aware for that now. I'm not going to give my peace into your turmoil. I can help you find your own peace, but I'm not taking those negative emotions on board. I'm growing in my personal self-awareness. 
I want to teach that how by increasing our awareness, we can become better and more well-rounded people. The problem is that sometimes we have such little personal awareness that we stand no chance of being aware of the feelings of others. You see, if we've not taken our own journey of self-awareness, how on earth could we ever be aware of somebody else's? And so there is a journey to be had there. Other times we speak out of turn with little thought of the impact of our words or tone or body language on another person. Someone once told me, I've said this before, that if someone tells you one thing, but their body language says something different, always believe the body language. So true, so true. Um, Just pop the next picture on for me, Nigel, if you don't mind, please. Um, This is a picture of my car. Ah, car. Um, That's the back wheel arch on the left-hand side of the car. Um, It happened one night when I was driving. Uh, When when I was driving the car, um, I was coming into the driveway, and as I was coming into the driveway, the neighbor's light upstairs was on. And he wasn't, wasn't at home. And I not noticed it not being on before when he wasn't at home. So it caught my eye. And I was looking at that and thinking, oh, I hope the house is okay. So I was doing the good neighborly thing of watching out for Colin next door. But in watching out for Colin next door, in terms of my spatial awareness, I was compromised. And as a result of being compromised in my area of spatial awareness, I clipped the wall coming onto the drive and scratched it like that. Ouch. <laughs> that, just, just a minute. That, that, that's probably an illustrative point too far. We didn't really need to go into that. Um, that, that could have been a personal thing between the two of us. Now I'm feeling really exposed. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You, you, you can show up as well. Um, so... so so I clipped the wall, and because the wall was so poorly made, it just fell apart, <laughs> and, and the bricks fell off it. Okay, um, and, it, and it was that lack of sort of spatial awareness uh, that caused damage that otherwise didn't need to be caused. And I think that's the issue with awareness. Both in ourselves and reading awareness in other people, if we're not aware we can cause damage that doesn't need to be caused. You see, if I'd have kept my eye on what I was doing in the car, I wouldn't have run into the wall. I ran into the wall because I missed the spatial awareness. I missed that opportunity and crushed it. So awareness or the lack of it. Four things, really. The importance of learning to listen to yourself. The importance of learning to listen to others. The importance of learning to listen to the environment that you find yourself in. And the importance of learning to listen to God. If we're not aware, we will all the time be bumping into things that otherwise should be avoided. A gaff here. A mess up there. Because we're reading a sign inappropriately. If you think that you know the answer before someone has even asked the question, you're showing a lack of awareness. 
if you presume what you need is the same as someone else's needs, again, we risk showing a lack of awareness. If you're offering trite answers to complex issues, what you're demonstrating to the person that you're speaking to is a lack of awareness. And that person will distance themselves from you because they recognize you have not understood them. And it's much more important to understand than it is to be understood. So the first process in growing awareness with other people is not speaking, it's listening. And it's not listening, it's hearing what's been said. As the good wife will say to the husband on many an occasion, you've not heard what I was talking about, have you? I've been speaking to you for five minutes about that issue. You have not heard a single word that I have said to you. Have you? Yes, I have. You were talking about that. that uh, well, I was listening, but I just got distracted for a moment. We need to be able to listen. Awareness will always be accompanied by two qualities. Humility and confidence. Humility and confidence always accompany a person who is growing in their area of awareness. Or if you feel that people are holding back in a setting or a context, there could be a lack of awareness there on your part. You need to ask why. Is there anything in you that is creating caution in them? Because if we lack awareness and we step into a situation like a bull in a china shop and we keep walking over stuff, emotions, issues because we're lacking an awareness to see things from that person's perspective, then that person is automatically going to caution themselves against you and they will start to withdraw because we're not showing sufficient awareness in that situation. Presumption can show a poor lack of awareness, sometimes com combined with an arrogance that says, listen to me and I'll show you a better way. Well, have we listened to them before we propose to show a better way? We need to grow in awareness. If we don't take time to get beneath the surface, you will never know what's going on below the surface. And there's always something going on beneath the surface. Have you ever been in a situation where you're talking to somebody and there's not been something going off beneath the surface? but we think there's nothing going off beneath the surface because all that we see is the presenting issue. But the presenting issue is not really the issue. We've all seen the iceberg illustration where what's above the waterline is actually minuscule in comparison with what's below the waterline. So we see what's immediately in front of us. We go to deal with that thing, but if we've not listened or heard that person, we have no idea what's going off down here. But the problem is, it's what's going off down here that's caused what's appearing up there. 
And if we don't grow in our awareness, then we have deep, deep blind spots when we're walking into people's lives to try and help, support, encourage, bless them. But one of the best ways to growing in awareness of others is by growing in our own personal awareness. Because the better we can read ourselves, the greater we will be then at being able to read other people. It's a bit like this story. There's a guy on a New York subway train and he's traveling there and he's got his two or his three kids with him and the two or three kids are really playing up. If you're a parent, you've been in that situation, haven't you? Where you're out and your kids are playing up and you're trying to, you know, bring back some measure of control. Uh, Sarah's saying it's never happened in our house. <laughs> and, and so you've got that sort of stuff kicking off. And so this is what's happening. And you know what begins to happen then, don't you? The eyes of everybody in the carriage begin to migrate towards the parents of the children. And as they migrate towards the parent of the children, the eyes are not showing compassion and generosity. They're showing frustration. Maybe a bit of anger. And you, as you look into those people's eyes, can see what they're actually saying is, I didn't take control of them blooming kids. We're on a tube, you know, we're just here for having a ride, and they're walking over the seats and shouting. And somebody gets so irate on the train that they say to the father, come on, can't you control your children? At which point the father is a little bit distant, as if he's in his own little world. And he turns to the man who's spoken to him rather abruptly, all apologetically. And he says to him, oh, I'm sorry. I'm really sorry. My mind's just not quite with it at the moment. He says, we, we just literally come away from the hospital. Um, and the boy's mum's just passed away this afternoon. Um, and we're on our way home. So we're all a little bit sixes and sevens, we don't really know where we are. I'm sorry for the behavior of the children. All of a sudden, the person who has spoken harshly to the father to get his kids in control has a completely different worldview. He sees it from an utterly different perspective. All of a sudden, the screaming kids don't matter. All that matters now is, oh my gosh. What a terrible, terrible situation you're having to bear. What a terrible situation. And that's what awareness does. It opens your eyes to see things that otherwise are disclosed from you. Which is why in terms of working with people, it is so critical that we grow in our own levels of awareness and work with people, understanding and becoming aware of their needs too. Because such a presumption leads to all kinds of errors of judgment. We judge people so easily, I find in my own heart, the clothes that they wear, the way that they speak. Somebody sends you an email or a letter, you read through the letter, you notice punctuation that's bad, spelling that's out of place, and immediately make a judgment of that person just on the basis of that. Why do we do that? We sit next to somebody and 
maybe they're, hmm, that's not as fresh as what you'd like that person to be. And you make a judgment of that person. Why do we do this stuff? It's poor leadership. It's poor pastoring. We make poor Christians if we don't grow in our own self-awareness. Ezekiel 34 says this, The word of the Lord came to me, Son of man, prophesy against the shepherds of Israel. Prophesy and say to them, This is what the sovereign Lord says, Woe to you, shepherds of Israel, who only take care of yourselves. Should not shepherds take care of the flock? You eat the curds, um, clothe, your, clothe yourselves with the wool and slaughter the choice animals, but you do not take care of the flock. You've not strengthened the weak or healed those who are ill or bound up the injured. You've not brought back the strays or searched for the lost. You have ruled them harshly and brutally so they were scattered because there was no shepherd. And when they were scattered, they became food for all the wild animals. My sheep wandered over all the mountains and on every high hill. They were scattered over the whole earth and no one searched for them and no one looked for them. Peter, when he was writing his letter, encouraging leadership within the church, says, To the elders among you, I appeal as a fellow elder and as a witness of Christ's sufferings, who also will share in the glory to be revealed. Be shepherds of God's flock that is under your care, watching over them, not because you must, but because you are willing, as God wants you to be, not pursuing dishonest gain, but eager to serve, not lording it over those entrusted to you, but being examples to the flock. You see, we often speak of the need to bring correction, direction. We want to bring truth into a situation. And all those things are right and good. But there is another component that carries equal validity alongside grace and love and truth. And it's this. It's called trust. Trust. You see, I will listen to you if I trust you. But if the trust is broken, I will probably not listen to you so intently. And I guess the same is true for me. And trust can be broken in all sorts of ways, but growing in our self-awareness and growing in the awareness that we have of other people helps us to make less mistakes in the area of breaking trust because we have gauged the measure by which we walk into a situation by being aware of the emotions, the feelings, the way that person is coming from. And so we make a better judgment because we have greater revelation of the scenario that we're dealing with. I'll often see people, I guess you do too, holding back in a setting because their sensitivities are being overlooked. They're being spoken over and not listened to. If you ever find yourself in a situation where you think you are speaking over a person, you are lacking self-awareness because you are not aware of the other person's need to speak and talk back. And so we have to curb the over-talking, the over-speaking, so that you can become more aware of what that other person or where that other person 
is coming from. James 3 says, Not many of you should become teachers, my fellow believers, because you know that we who teach will be judged more strictly. We all stumble in many ways. Anyone who's never at fault in what he says is perfect, able to keep their whole body in check. When we put bits into the mouths of horses to make them obey us, we can turn the whole animal or take ships as an example. Although they're so large and are driven by strong winds, they're steered by a very small rudder wherever the pilot wants them to go. Likewise, the tongue is a small part of the body, but it makes great boasts. Consider what a great forest is set on fire by a small spark. The tongue also is a fire, a world of evil among the parts of the body. It corrupts the whole body, sets the whole course of one's life on fire, and is itself set on fire by hell. <laughs> I think I put, it, put that back in my mouth. Gosh. There's something going off there that James is talking to us about. He also talks about the importance of listening, doesn't he? You see, we show a lack of awareness when emotions are being presumed upon. People need to know if they can trust you before they're going to open up to you, that you won't disregard their feelings. We want to fix people sometimes rather than feel the weight of a person's pain or burdens. When we operate like this, we show a distinct lack of self-awareness. So what do we need to know? We need to know things like this. We all have influence. We all have influence. You can use that influence to crush somebody, or you can use it to coach somebody, but you can't do both. All our words have power, but once spoken, they cannot be retracted. They can only be forgiven, and that in itself is a journey. <laughs> Listen to these words from Paul Scanlon. I was deeply touched when I read this stuff. He says, to really connect with people, you must spend more time in their shoes than yours. Empathy means that I have to connect with something in me that knows that you're feeling, that knows what you're feeling, and then I must allow that to govern my speaking. People just want to know um, that we are one of them. They want to hear from fellow pilgrims and strugglers, not detached observers and commentators. In the church, we have too many prophets and too few priests. Too many representing God to humanity and not enough representing humanity to God. Too many giving us God's perspective and too few who seem to understand ours. The best leaders and communicators in the world are increasingly becoming more priest than prophet. Not to say that there's not a cause for one, of course. I've been pastoring for a long time now. I consider my principal call nowadays to be a spiritual shepherd. That's what I want to be. To shepherd people. To help to guide with wisdom, correction, opening up possibilities and perspectives. But moving people here, guiding people there, and allowing to the best of my ability to be an East, a Middle Eastern shepherd who led from the front and not drove from behind. Because I think people need to see examples in us that are good, wholesome examples of what it means to live in the world in which we live. And we can do that as we surrender ourselves to Christ and become 
more aware ourselves and of him. You need to live and be aware to make people feel safe. You see, not only do we need to be self-aware, people-aware, we also need to be aware that environments are created when people get together. You've been in some of those environments, haven't you? Where you just wish you got that knife in your pocket because you think, oh, I could cut that environment with a knife if I've got one. Ooh, it's cold in the room, you know what I mean? It's hot outside, but my word, it's cold in this room right now. If you're walking into a room that's cold, then probably the first thing that you want to say is, well, maybe not this. It's cold in here, isn't it? I think sometimes in talking about awareness, we have to speak to the elephant that's in the room and not avoid it. My Lord, I can tell you of sometimes when I've avoided the elephant in the room. I can tell you where I have made a pig's ear, which is a mixed metaphor, I understand. Well, let's not use an elephant's ear because that would be really, really big, wouldn't it? When I've made a pig's ear and botched up many a situation by not having the courage or the capacity to speak to the elephant that's in the room. We need to address the issue. But in addressing the issue, we need to do it from a place of self-awareness and awareness of what has created the issue in the first place. Otherwise, we just compound the issue rather than resolve the issue. If you can't create a safe place for people, then we'll never really know people. You see, people may humor you, but what they won't do is disclose. They may allow you to pretend to think that they've spoken to you honestly about what they feel, but they've not actually done that. What they've done is they've withheld something. And they've withheld something because in times past, they've seen a reaction from you in a particular way. Therefore, they're thinking to themselves, I ain't going there again. And so they will humor you at times to think that you have got disclosure, but you've not received disclosure because they mistrust your response in that situation. And until you have built those bridges again, you will never get to the place where that disclosure fully comes to you. Hard, isn't it? Really hard. Doing relational stuff. It's really blooming difficult. This is the other thing about being a bloke. The irritation that's caused deep down when your wife's right. This is the other complexity about being a bloke. They're right too often. I have learned more about relational understanding from Joe than I probably have from any other person. The way that she perceives, understands, sees has become a real valuable learning lesson for me in my own growth and development of self-awareness. If you're in a marriage, you're blessed because you're going to have somebody to knock the corners off you, gently, of course, and help you to grow in that area. 
But we all need to have people, regardless of marriage or not, that can help us grow in our self-awareness. Because if we will grow in our self-awareness, we will be able to make such a broader, greater, bigger contribution into the community of church, into our home lives, into our work situations, because it helps just so, so much. Time's gone. There are a few other things that we could say. But let me finish. Oh, gosh, no, I need to finish. Let me finish anyway with this thought. I I read to you from Genesis 28 at the beginning. And this is Jacob, who has a dream. And in the dream, he meets with God, and he sees this stairway that goes up to heaven. And then after the dream, because he's in this place, this place called uh, Luz, that he, he names Bethel, the house of God, is he says, surely God was in this place. And I was not aware of it. I wasn't aware of it. I want to suggest to you and myself today that we will go into all sorts of settings throughout the course of this week. And if we could just grow in our self-awareness, our people awareness, our environmental awareness, and our God presence awareness, we will find ourselves in many more divine settings than we could ever have realized. Because Christ is with us not simply at the front of a church like this on a Sunday when we pray our prayer, but on a Monday morning when the alarm clock rings and we get up to get ready to go off to work. Surely God can be in that place, but often we're not aware of it. Let's grow in our awareness. Let's grow in our personal awareness, our people awareness, our environmental awareness, and in our understanding of the presence of God awareness. Because if we grow in those four areas of awareness, we will be so much more switched on to what God is about, what God is doing, and we will bring so much more of a greater, valuable contribution into this world and into the communities of which we're a part. Let's pray. Father, we thank you this morning that... You want to open up our eyes to see the truth of what you are showing and teaching us. Help us grow, Lord, in these places. And help us to come alongside people who can help us to grow in these areas too. So that we can become better, more whole, well-rounded people. Who then make such an ever more greater contribution into the lives of other people. And throughout this week, Lord, may we be aware of your presence, even in those places where ordinarily we would not expect it, because you are not limited to temples or buildings. You are the living God, present with us in every situation. And for this, we thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. God bless everybody. Thanks for your patience for those extra few minutes. Let's enjoy some tea and coffee before we go home.